Thank you very much and appreciate it. Enjoy those. You did a great job. You're a good, good special tonight. John chapter 14. John chapter 14. May I commend you for being out in the Lord's house on Lord's Day evening. John chapter 14, beginning in verse 15. If you love me, this is Jesus speaking here. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him. You should mark two prepositions here. For he dwelleth with you. You should mark that word with. And shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more, but ye see me, Look at this great promise. Because I live, ye shall live also. At that day, ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. Draw your attention again up there, if you will, to verse 17 in particular. In the end of it, it says, and shall be in you. And that is the title of tonight's message Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the good singing we just participated in. Now, Lord, as the Word of God's open, help us to treat it with the reverence, respect, and the uh, attention that it deserves being your actual words. I pray you'll bless us with an understanding tonight. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we consider the main subject, which is, and shall be in you, I want you to take note of a phrase there in verse 16. Look at what what Christ said. He said, And I will pray the Father, and He shall give you another Comforter, that He may abide with you forever. Of course, in John 14, 15, 16, you have the Comforter, you have the Spirit of Truth, and you have the Holy Ghost. Those are all identified as the same. Different names for the same. And that verse, that statement had to be a uh, extreme comfort to the disciples at the time because what John 14 had begun with was the fact that Jesus was saying to them, uh, you believe, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me also. And then he says, I go to prepare a place for you. And he begins in these chapters to teach his disciples that he's not going to be walking with them on this earth much longer. Now imagine this. Think of it for a moment, if you will. These men had given up their their, uh, professions. And it's more than just profession. What their families had done. It's kind of remarkable in a way. um, Brother Daryl Moore, who I hope you pray for. Brother Daryl's health just not good at all. Last time I had a conversation with him, he was at dialysis, taking dialysis while I was talking to him. And... um, the more uh, dearly longs to be with our church again right now, physically not able to. He wants to be back up here and uh, to be among us. But 
Brother Moore, he, uh, he was talking about, he's from Maine. And he was talking about in Maine, along the coast there, the families that have been fishers for years um, that have done commercial fishing. He said it's a very closed community. They're very tight-knit. They only want to speak with those of their own. If you're not of them, then you're much on the outside. And he said there are small towns there because while I brought it up, he was mentioning a, a young man who had good ability and God's hand was upon him, but he went up there to pastor and, and it never went well. And the fellow wasn't there very long. And I said, what happened? And he said, I think I'm correct on this part of the geography. He said uh, he was from Texas and he came to Maine trying to pastor one of these in one of these towns, and it just, it just never, y'all open your Bibles, that's about it right there. I mean, that was, that was about the end of it, you know? And, uh, and so he was talking about how tight that community is, and you see evidence of that in the Bible. When you see the men who were disciples that had been fishermen, and think about this Jesus, what the earth, what the people thought was his father, Joseph, we know God's his father. What was Joseph's profession? Carpenter, in fact, Jesus was referred to by the people, not by God's narrative, but by the people, as the carpenter's son. Now, you think how remarkable it is that he walked along the seashore with a bunch of multi-generational fishermen and said, follow me, and they walked away from their nets and followed him. Matthew had a lucrative career was a tax collector and such, and he left that and followed Jesus Christ. And you had these different men who, these were not 18, 19-year-olds heading off bright-eyed uh, to, to a Bible college and they don't really have any, you know, <laughs> I left everything. You didn't have anything, okay? And it, it wasn't that. They, they, these were people who were following him and Jesus is beginning to teach them, I'm not going to be with you much longer. I'm going to be leaving and you can't come with me right now. That's how disturbing that would be. They'd have set the whole course of their life to follow him. And so when you consider that and you look at verse 16, he says, I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter. Jesus is the comforter at that time. He's, he's there with them. He said, I will give you another comforter that he may abide with you how long? Forever. Jesus said, I want you to understand something. Me physically being on the earth, God in the flesh on the earth, is a temporary arrangement. He said, but the one that's going to come live inside of you, that's a permanent arrangement. And uh, so anyway, I, I think it's a tremendous thing. And so that brings us to the message tonight, and shall be in you. Verse 17 concludes with that and shall be in you. It says there, uh, verse 17, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you. Jesus is making reference, I believe, right there to himself. I'm with you now. He dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. Um, I'm going to make this statement again at the end of the message. But true biblical faith cannot be a superficial faith. Everything that we are as believers is predicated on Christ in us, the hope of glory. I told you an account of I was 
doing side jobs early on in the church. We just picked up any side work we could. And, and uh, my wife's always done cleaning jobs, but I'd pick up side work everywhere we could trying to make it. And the church uh, at that time, we were not supported. We were full-time, but our salary didn't match our position on that. And we were, you know, I was picking up yard jobs and doing this and doing that. And uh, I was working for a particular lady, lived out in DeMontville, and just passed there, and uh, <clears throat> was talking to a fellow who came to do some contract work in her bathroom area there in her, her house. And he was coming back and forth out. And, and uh, I thought, a little older gentleman at that time, that's been a lot of years ago, he must have been at least 59, <laughs> seemed older to me at that time. I didn't know how young that actually is. And, uh, and so um, he was going by, and I started talking to him, and he'd pause, and we'd talk. And I led into the gospel, and I'm trying to, trying to give, him, give him the gospel. And uh, he said to me, he said, oh, he says, I, I was raised in church. He said, I had enough of that when I was young. And I said to him, I don't doubt it. I said, I don't disagree with you. And he stopped. He said, I thought you were a preacher. I said, I am. And he said, you, you said I had enough of church? I said, well, apparently all you got was church. I've been blessed to hear some, I believe, some of the best preachers and speakers of, a, of a two generations now and love to hear them preach. But without the Spirit of God working through that, without the Spirit of God working in me when they're preaching with that, I mean, the best preachers I enjoy the most, I don't know that I'd want to hear them as many times as I've heard. <laughs> so yeah, if all you've got is the superficial, then the superficial's all you've got. Jesus was telling him, when I go, something wonderful is going to happen, something inside of you. Something comes to dwell. And it's very real. It's the Holy Spirit of God. And I love it. There's a lot of wonderful language about this in the Bible. And I want to talk to you this about shall be in you. And you can use the Bible to look at yourself as if in a mirror and say, does Christ dwell in me? Am I indeed a child of God? And then you may ask the further question, if you're convinced by the Scripture, yes, Christ is my Savior. That's accurate. I trust Him. Whatever failings I may have, whatever flaws I may have, my trust is in Christ. He's my sufficiency. Then the question can be asked, as He dwells in you, are you showing the evidences of what's going on inside you, or are you burying it under other things? Let's look at some verses together with this. Some wonderful language. Ephesians chapter 3, who we touched into some of that this morning, but I want to show you again regarding the inner man. And I touched on this when talking about our, 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 uh, our capacity to choose and the fact that uh, uh, we, need, we, need to, uh, we need to take charge of ourselves. And we, we dealt with that. But I want to show you this in the light of the inner man. Uh, Ephesians chapter 3. I'll get there eventually. Ephesians 3. I'll hop in between Galatians and Philippians. I know it's in between them. There it is. Ephesians chapter 3. And if you will, let's look at the verses. The verse, oh, let's begin. I think it'll serve us best. Let's look in verse 14. We'll begin there. It says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that He would grant you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with might by His Spirit, where? In the inner man. It was funny what happened over at Calvary. Somehow word had gotten to Brother Spears. I hadn't said anything to him about it. And I think it may have been from Brother Farmer. Brother Farmer is a fellow over there. He, he brought, in fact, the last two times that Brother Hill preached here, Brother Farmer drove him over. And Brother Farmer was very, very overweight time. He's lost a tremendous amount of weight. And he started doing different things. And part of his exercise, and he rides a recumbent bicycle. How many of you know what a recumbent bicycle is? Oh, those of you who don't know, you would like it. It's a, it's a combination of a lazy boy and a bicycle, all right? And uh, you lay back on them when you're riding. Have you ever seen those? They're down low to the ground. I wouldn't, ri- I wouldn't ride one of those for love nor money. There's two major reasons. One is nobody can see you. They pop over a hill and they won't even know you're there until you know, you're wrapped around their transaxle. And uh, they're, they're not going to know it. You say, well, you, wear, you ride a bike flag. Those are worse than useless. You know that, don't you? Because you're looking at the skinny point when you're coming towards it. If they're riding across, you can see it flat, but you're coming up behind it. There's no visual to that. It's just useless. It really is. And, uh, and so you're laying down there where nobody can see you. You say, why else wouldn't you ride right come? But um, I've been chased by dogs. <laughs> On my bike, my ankles and calves are in trouble. On a recumbent, Fido's right there on your snaz. And uh, I might ride one if I had, you know... The scabbard for my 30-30, you know, put the, put the hammer on him that way. But um, I don't know which one of the fellas somebody mentioned. I got there, Brother Spears, and we went into his office right before service, and he goes, Brother Manning? He goes, I heard you ride a bicycle. I said, no, I, I do that. enjoy that. He goes, now, I don't know how to believe this. Somebody said the last time you were here, you rode from here back home to Leicester. I said, I did. I said, actually, from my... Wife's mother, which is a ways up from where he was. And he goes, you, you rode that in one day? I said, yeah. He said, how many miles? I said, 126. And he said, in one day. I said, yeah. He said, was that hard? I said, it was hard that day. There was a 12-mile-an-hour sustained wind gusting to 28. And it was a headwind the whole way. That was horrible. And uh, he said, I can't really believe that. So he got up and he had to tell about that. And he was talking and he said, the most fit Baptist preacher I know is going to get up and preach to us tonight. Isn't that hilarious? Brother Robin, I literally thought this before I wore mine. I thought, God, don't let me have a heart attack right now. <laughs> if I do, every one of these people will never exercise again. They'll go pig out and they'll all die 15 years early. Uh, you know, yeah, see where it gets you. Might as well die with gravy in your lips, you know. And anyway, it was... So... <laughs> So he wanted to talk to me some about what I did. The next day he goes, that's inspired me. He started talking to me a little bit about what you do. And so I talked to him some. We didn't spend much time on that. We had other things we need to get to business-wise. But he, he was talking about that. And people want to know, hey, what works for you? Does this work? How can you do this? Or how can you do that? We'll see somebody that we say, well, that's great. You know, how did how'd you get your strength back? Maybe somebody's been injured and you are injured and you saw somebody recover from it. You go, what'd you do to make sure you got your mobility back? What'd you do to recover from this or that? That's all smart stuff. It really is to do that. But we ought to pay really close attention to the fact that God wants us to be strengthened in the inner man. 
there's many different reasons why I do things and try to stay in decent shape as I go. There's a conviction I have about it as far as this being a vessel and me taking good care of it and doing that. I never want it to capture my heart at all, and it won't. Believe me, trust me. When you're when you're when your next birthday is 60, the days of really impressing yourself or anybody else are are, are harder to come by. Um, but this, uh, you know, Photoshop maybe I don't know. Um, but but here's the thing. Um, no matter what I do, you know, Brother Jeff, you were mentioning this lady that the Fairfield County area said may have been at least 111 years old. They said when she was around 100, she walked from Royalton into Lancaster. She would do that. That's pretty impressive. We remember, many of us here remember Mrs. Gano. Remember the fact when she fell, she tripped over a scatter rug while she was preparing breakfast for her extended family. She was 104. I remember her being up on top of her ladder after having double knee replacement. She was 86 years old, and I stopped by to visit, and she knocked on the door, and she says, come on in. I said, you don't know who it is. Hey, preacher, come on in. I'm up on the ladder. I've seen how she's doing I said, I'm glad. I like she's changing the light bulb. I said, what are you doing up there? She goes, fixing the light bulb. Her, her take on it was, I got new knees. I need to use them. That was the youngest part of her body, man. <laughs> For the golden years, she was into her titanium years. <laughs> Some of you are there. Um, but no matter how good of health, no matter how we go, I do know this. I do know it's appointed unto man once to die. And after this is judgment, I know that there will come a time when this, life, when this body no longer will have the vitality to sustain the life which dwells within it. I know that will happen. Brother Phil Tanksley's mother uh, went home to be with the Lord this week. And uh, Brother Phil called me, uh, what day was that? Was it Saturday? I don't remember. Hey, pardon? Was it Saturday when I mentioned that? I can't remember what day it was. I talked to him early in the morning. She'd passed away at 6 that morning. And he called me about 6.40 and we were talking. And uh, she had been uh, a very, uh, very vital part of that family. 71 years of age, your grandma. Have I got that right? What day was it, Caleb? Was it Saturday? Are you going to get to go down? I'll have to put you on the spot with that. Okay, he would. I know there was a closeness there. I'm not trying to be insensitive with that. The uh, but his 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 uh, uh, his mom passed away, and she struck me from knowing your family like I do. Kind of the she's kind of the consistent in in there in the family. I don't know. Logan said that he reminded her of his mamma in a way, and she did. I got to meet her on a few occasions and and took joy in that. But 71 years old. That's a good nose. 104 years old. Um. We don't know, but we do know that this, this life, now that we all take care of it because it's something given to us by God, but this is temporary. This is temporary. How much more important that we're strengthened with might in the inner man. Why don't we give care to that which lasts forever? Why don't we give care to that which is of such high value to the Lord Jesus Christ? God... Uh, God wants us to think this way about these. Where was I at? What was my verse? Do you know? You don't have a clue, do you? I don't either. Pardon? 316. Thank you. I knew somebody was conscious here. Hi. Uh, then verse 17. Why are we strengthened with uh, might in the inner man? Uh, that Christ may dwell in your hearts. 
by faith, that you may be that ye being rooted and grounded in love, and that's the only way we get rooted and we get grounded in love is with Christ in our hearts, not a superficial thing, but in us. May be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to look at the way this is phrased, to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Say, how do you know something that passes knowledge? Because you don't know it just on a factual level. You know it on the experience level. You know the love of Christ that goes beyond certainly what our failing words have the capacity to frame, what the weak vessel of our language can carry, but also you have within you the very life of God that sustains you and strengthens you and gives you that which you need from inside. It's a tremendous thing and it passes knowledge. It's a wonderful thing. Uh, Dr. Evans, who was with us so many years, he, uh, um, he said that, um, and, and you understand this was a man who had taken enough college training to have his own PhD and he was, a, he was very much a studier. His, his life was in education and that's what he did. So he was not someone who was speaking out against knowledge or speaking out against proper learning, proper education. But he would make this statement. He would say faith is a higher faculty than reason. He didn't mean that reason didn't have its place. He meant that faith goes beyond just reason. Faith is the way, it's the evidence of things not seen. It's the substance of things hoped for. It goes beyond just what we have the perceptive ability with reason to see. It's the inner man. It's knowing that God's there. It's that dear saying of God who maybe cannot articulate everything they believe but they know God's real. It's that dear follower of the Lord Jesus Christ who may be someone with a quick tongue and a sharp wit can argue them to a point where they cannot defend themselves in the arena of, of battle, of, of, of just uh, uh, debate and that sort of thing. But when they step back, here's what they know. I can't answer all your questions, but I know whom I have believed. It goes beyond talking about what's inside of you. Every one of you, you young people that are conscious looking at me so closely tonight, <laughs> and you adults that are conscious looking at me so closely tonight. Um, here's what I know for sure. You won't stay at it for the long haul if all you have is surface. Because there will be times when things will intrude upon you that will destabilize your, your thinking and that will cause you to start to undo and doubt what you had done in faith. When that happens, there's got to be something inside you that's real. Thank God, God gives us that in the person of the Holy Spirit. These are precious things in the Bible. I've been excited about telling you about him. Let's go on and continue with that. Verse 20. It says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Wow. 
Unto Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. And what's that good word at the end? Amen. amen. There we are. And it is definitely worth amen. So the inner man. The, uh, there are you ladies tonight, you can further be benefited by some beautiful verses which particularly apply to you in the Scripture. Look in 1 Peter chapter 3. And this is a precious promise to our ladies and a precious statement to you. 1 Peter chapter 3. I'll tell you one indicator if you can tell you if you have a biblically oriented church. It will be gracious to the ladies. Because that's how God is. Mark that down. You may need it someday. First Peter chapter 3, look in verse 1. Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, that they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. Pointing to the great influence that a lady can have in a man's life. And God's given ladies a capacity to influence, which is a great thing. While they behold your chaste conversation, coupled with fear, so they see that how you're living, who's adorning? Now watch this. Watch this about the inner. And so it deals with how you're, how you're presenting yourself. Who's adorning, let it not be that outward adorning and plating the hair. That's not the main thing, you know. If you're living for your hairdo, what a, what a shallow life that is. And of wearing of gold, if you think that you're of more value or less value according to what ornamentation you can put on your body, then you don't have a proper view of your value and where it's supposed to come from. Or a putting on of apparel. If I can wear this brand, then I'm really something. And if not, no, no, no. God doesn't want you caught up in all that nonsense. That's, that's just so beneath what He has for his, his ladies. But let it be, look at the statement, the hidden man of the heart. That's Christ dwelling in you. That's God in you. That's exactly what it's talking about there. In that which is not corruptible. Everything else it mentions corruptible. It's either going to get old. All of us know what it's like to get something new. A new pair of shoes, a new outfit, a new jacket, a new vehicle or something. Man, we take care of it, all that. And the first time we get it a little messed up, it bothers us. And it isn't two or three years till it's like, well, that old thing. It's all corruptible. But it's also corruptible in the sense it can, become a, it can become a snare to you because it becomes too valuable to you. It's where you derive your sense of worth. It's where you derive your sense of being instead of getting it from the fact that you're made in the image of the living God and that Jesus Christ Himself gave Himself for you. That's where your value is. And so it makes a statement there and it says uh, the corruptible things, but the incorruptible, what is it? It is not corruptible. Even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit. And that's a steady strength. That's what that meekness is. That quiet spirit is the idea of coming back to a balance. It's the idea of maybe water might get jostled, but then it'll settle back. 
It's not a constant tempest. And he said, that's, that's, that's very valuable. It says, the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God. What's it say? Great prize. My wife and I went through a Von Maurer. Von Maurer. I don't know how you say it. That's a store. How many of you know what one of those is? I thought so. Uh, you did? Uh, the, we went through one time, just looked at it, and we went through. It was one of those places when you walked in, we looked at it, go in, and I thought, hmm, this is one of those walk through places, right? <laughs> and uh, I think we looked and they had purses, and the purses started in the four or $500 range. My son, if they're going to charge four or $500 for a purse for my wife, it best have money in it when we get it. <laughs> You say, well, it's crocodile. Well, the swamps are full of them. They can't be that valuable. <laughs> um, <laughs> now, I'm not going to pay that for the skin of an oversized chicken either. You know, ostrich, you know. Went through there, unbelievable. My wife and I, Marshall Fields up in the Chicago area, uh, the uh, owner of the roofing company where I was manager and salesman the last couple of years I was there doing that, they would give us these gift certificates for quite valuable gift certificates to go to Marshall Fields. We tried to figure out a way to hawk them so we have grocery money, you know. I mean, Marshall Fields had some nice stuff, but you can't eat it. So we would wait, and he'd say, go get Christmas presents. Fooey on that stuff. We waited till after Christmas when they marked it down. And I'll admit, I had a, I had a, uh, uh, a uh, flannel shirt that honestly, I had it for years and it was still in as good a shape as ever. You say, why didn't you keep wearing it? That thing kept shrinking. <laughs> okay, maybe something else was happening at that point. Uh, I, my, my borders expanded past its territory. And so the, uh, we would go in and this stuff was so expensive. My wife would look at something, she goes, I can go to the thrift store and completely outfit us for... What one sleeve cost on that? Yeah. Like, can I tell you something? This is precious for you ladies. That hidden man of the heart, what God's put in you, God says, that's a great price. But never sell yourself cheap to a world which will demean and degrade you. You're the king's daughter. I love this verse out of the Psalms. In Psalm, you can look it up later in Psalm 45, 13. It says, the king's daughter is all glorious within. Isn't that a great verse? You ladies have a heritage from the Lord. May God help you to live in the fullness of that and have boldness in it. And then let me talk to you about this thing of the uh, what's inside of us. Look in 1 Corinthians 6. 1 Corinthians 6, I don't think any of these teachings or many of the verses would be unfamiliar with a lot of you, but it's a good reminder for us. 1 Corinthians 6, talking about what's in you. Your faith, if it's biblical, cannot be superficial. 1 Corinthians 6. Look down, if you will, and I think I have. I've done that 2 Corinthians 6. There. If it's not there, I'll just make it up. 2 Corinthians, why wouldn't 2 Corinthians 6. 
especially verse 16. It says, In what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? And he's drawing attention to him there. You would never think that you could take the temple that had been built for Jehovah God and blend it together with temples for idols. That unfortunately happened at the end of Solomon's reign. And uh, right after that, then the judgment started coming in. Eventually, that temple was completely destroyed because it had been so profaned by those who should have been worshiping it. So he says, In what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? Look at the statement. For ye are the temple of the living God. When the Old Testament temple was dedicated, God's presence came on and in that place so strongly that the priests could not even minister in it. They were not able to go in and do their jobs because the glory of God was in it so much. And in the New Testament, it's revealed to us that our bodies are the place where God dwells. He wants to live in and through us. Not just superficial. If all you have is religion, all you have is something equivalent to that coat. That jacket does not make me. That jacket does not define me. That's just a garment I put on and it's something I wear uh, in the fashion of our day. I want to, I want to be respectful and conservative and, and uh, show respect to the office of the pastor. So I, I wear this and this is what it is. It doesn't make me spiritual, less spiritual. It has no effect at all. I put it on. I can take it off. But that is not where our faith is to be. It is to be inside of us that the very presence of God dwells in us. Why? Because our body is the temple. It's the place where it's to be illuminated as the temple is illuminated with the candle, uh, a candle in there of, uh, uh, that, that God had given that was lighted with the olive oil. It's to be, uh, have the uh, table of showbread, which is the sustenance and the presence in the body of, of Christ uh, represented there. It's to be the place of the most holy place. Where we know that the sprinkling of the blood of Christ has given us our atonement. And we have fellowship with God. All these things he talks about there. And it says, uh, And why agreement hath temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them. Now watch this. And walk in them. You never leave Him behind and at home no matter where you're going and what you do. And every day He is either pleased or grieved with where you take Him. There's no establishment you've ever went into that you didn't take the Holy Spirit with you if you're saved. That's interesting, isn't it? should be more than just interesting to our hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. Inextricably linked, the identification there. What does it lead us to? Wherefore, because of this living in us, because of who lives in us, wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And I will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. That's a wonderful thing. The process of separation began in my life, separating from different things with which I was involved. Before I ever knew the term separation was a Bible term, before I ever heard message on separation, because what I heard were Bible messages that we ought to, we ought to please Christ, we ought to live holy, we ought to do right, and the Holy Spirit of God kept saying, but that doesn't match that at all. That doesn't fit. That is not anything like Christ. And you just set them aside. Why? Because God's dwelling in us, and it makes a difference in how we live. 
superficial Christianity, you can just put that on. I put this jacket on to come here as I was preaching today and chose it out of my closet to do so. And that's exactly how you'll do your Christianity if it's just superficial. You'll put it on when it's time to go to church. You'll put it on when you're meeting with church people. And you'll take it right back off. And you'll put on who knows what kind of a garment when you're with another crowd that you want to have favor with. And so may God help us to have this on the inside. Then, 2 Corinthians 3. This one will probably be 1 Corinthians, but I don't think so. You know, you learn your Bible a lot in this church just by finding the chapters I'm trying to locate. 2 Corinthians 3 gives you some unique opportunities. This one is correct. I'm talking about and shall be in you. Christ in you? Is He in you? Does He dwell in your heart by love? There's something in you that draws you to the Word of God and draws you to the things of God. 2 Corinthians 3 says, Do we begin again to commend ourselves? Or need we, as some others, epistles of commendation? Apostle is asking the question do we need a letter of recommendation? To you or letters of commendation from you. Then he said, Ye are our epistle, written in our hearts, known and read of all men. He said to those that they had led to Christ and those who were involved in the church that had been started there in Corinth, he said, Ye are our epistle. He said, You are our letter. Someone wants to examine and say, Well, are you really an apostle? Somebody wants to say, Are you really a preacher of the gospel? He said, your lives and the fact you've accepted Christ and you followed the Lord, you are our epistle. I was able, thankfully, very truthfully, and I hope encouragingly, as I talked with Brother Spears, to, I told him, I said, you've got some wonderful things in your church here. There was a group, was it five men got up? I think, yeah, And they just got up and sang a special on a Wednesday night. These five men and... and uh, they, uh, they got up there and just, just sang out. They'd been at work that day and they come in and they just sang out for the Lord. Did a good job. And I was looking at them and I was looking at the teachers. They have a, a Wednesday night. They have some classes for some youngins and stuff and, and they had that going on. And I was watching people doing their different jobs as I came in the church. I was walking, observing what's going on. And I thought, and, and you know, when Brother Spears went there, there were five people or six people as I mentioned and it had been run very haphazard before that and had all the all the earmarks of that kind of neglect and foolishness. And uh, he's been there and worked with it and worked with it. And, and I see the lives of people. And as a pastor, uh, he doesn't run his people down. I don't, I don't stay in close fellowship with men who run their people down. And he, uh, he, he didn't run his people down. He didn't do that. He, but he's talking. And as a pastor, he's like, oh, I'd like to see growth here. I'm not talking about just, you know, numeric. And I'd like to see, boy, this one's struggling. I'd like to see him grow and all that. And I said, you know, as a pastor, you always know that about your congregation. I said, but Brother Spears, if my opinion means anything, coming in as an outsider, I said, I said, you've got a lot to be encouraged in. He said, I really do, Brother Maine. He started naming it all. And he didn't say, why was it? Because those are his epistles written in his heart. Here's what you and your wife have put into him. Here's what you all have put in. Here's what the Word of God's done. And I encouraged him with a verse. I said, I'll tell you a great verse. It said, I commend you to the Word of His grace which is able to build you up. He said, that's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Why? 
Because it tells us that if we just open the Word of God and teach and preach the Word of God, God will work in people's lives. God, if God's in you, if God's actually in you, I don't have to be some kind of special order. If God's actually in you, then if the Word of God is opened and correctly preached and given out in a systematic manner, it will find lodging in your heart and it will strengthen you in the inner man. And God then will do a work through you and with you and in you. Thank God for it. It's all good stuff. But wait a minute, it doesn't stop with that point. Look in verse 3. For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ. He said, you're not just our epistle. Somebody came to me and said, let me see your church. I may understand that they wanted to see the building we have. But if someone came during this week on a weekday and said, let me see your church, I'd be saying, you have to go to several different counties. We'd have to go where they're working and all that. Lighthouses scattered all over the place right now. Somebody says, tell me about your church. My first instinct is not to tell them about the buildings we built and the land we've gotten and what we've done and all the work we've done here. I start telling them about people and what God's done in their lives and how they came to know Christ and how long they've been in our church and the things they do. Why? Because you are the epistle. But it's not just that epistle. Look in verse 3. For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered, by us, written not with ink. A letter, which is what an epistle is, be written with ink. Not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God. Not in tables of stone, but where, church? Fleshy table of the heart. What is this? This is, this is and shall be in you. That God's written something inside of you. I believe that God in His mercy has given us commandments to keep. I believe very strongly there are do's and don'ts in that book. They're there for a reason. But undergirding that and keeping that from just becoming more or less a death sentence to you because the letter of the law killeth. From just dry religious ritualism and to keep us from the pridefulness of Pharisaism. Oh, look, I did this exactly right, therefore I am whatever. God said undergirding the whole thing, that the thing that drives it all is this. God said, I want to write some things in your heart. I want to put them in your heart so that you're not just keeping an outward conformity of religion, but you're serving God from your heart that we may start learning what it actually means to love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul, and all our strength. Every time I quote that anymore, Hudson, or read that, I realize how little I actually know about that passage. I used to think I knew a lot more about it. And to have that passion for God have that desire to serve Him in our lives in every aspect of what we do. That comes from something inside. Does God dwell in you? Well, preacher, I think I'm saved. I repeated a prayer. No, you repeated a prayer. Is what you did. When Logan was young, we were at my 
uncle's, I was at my uncle's house and he and some others were out playing with some kids from back behind there. Logan came back and he was young. He said, I got to witness this kid. He said, I got to tell him about Jesus. And Logan was very young. I said, all right. And he, he said to me, he goes, I asked him if he had ever accepted Jesus for his saved. I said, what did he say to you? And he says, he told me, here's another guy, he said, you have to understand, everybody over there is from, from Kentucky area. He said, he told me he did once, but didn't take. <laughs> God most assuredly wants it to take inside of us. Wants it to be real. Uh, <laughs> a living faith cannot just be superficial faith. Living faith must come from the heart. For we are taught in the Scripture, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. And if the issues, those things that come forth, and you think of that as a, as a fountainhead of a stream, you think of that which it proceeds from it. If out of the heart are the issues of life, those things which issue forth, that heart must have Christ in it. Christ in you, the hope of glory. I'll leave you with a cute story that was a real story. It's, it's funny. A very young man, maybe five, six, seven years old, for some reason was having a little trouble and they wondered what was maybe going on with the cardiac situation. And he got an echocardiogram. How many of you ever had an echocardiogram? You ever had one of those? I've had one of those. And they did that, and they put a little gel on him, and they're looking, you know. And he's kind of scared of it, as you would be. I mean, parents take you to this strange place with people you don't know that wear masks, and they're rubbing this machine all over you. Um, and so as the boy was a little scared, a little trepidatious about it, he asked what was going on, and he was told by his parents, he, they said, well, they can see your heart with that. Then he thought that was fascinating, and then he was still for it, and they did it, and he asked, honest question he did. He said, uh, he said, they could see in my heart? And I said, yeah. They said, he said, did they see Jesus? I wonder, if we can see in our heart, can we see Jesus? That's the question. Let's pray together, please. Father, thank you for your people tonight. Thank you for your word. The opportunity for both to be together. Pray you'll bless the invitation time. May we not satisfy for a superficial walk with you. And God, I pray that some will examine in truth their own self. Do they know you? Are you in their heart? And God, if, they're, if you're not, it was a wonderful day back here in 1980 when you brought conviction to me. God, I pray you do that for them, please. Let's stand together and join these who pray at the invitation. Why don't you come on the first note of invitation?